0: A useful, urgent, ultra specific, unique headline is something like 89 ways to wash dishes with vinegar before you die of cholera.
1: This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm
2: Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle.
1: Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And
2: every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income.
1: So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode zero three zero. In this episode, we talk to Damien Farnworth, chief copywriter at Copy Blogger about why building a successful blog is all about copywriting. What copywriting
0: will do for you will teach you, you know, how to get attention through headlines, will teach you how to keep that attention once you get those headlines, writing headlines that persuade people.
2: Damien also shares with us his top tips for expert headline writing.
0: A great headline boils down to one thing, self-interest, not your self-interest, but your reader's self-interest. What are they interested? In? Why should they care? So you have to answer that question.
1: Okay, it's Tower Freedom podcast time. Hello.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back.
1: What's going on? What's going on with you, wherever you are? Tell
2: us, tweet us. My travel freedom. We want to hear what you've been doing.
1: Mhm. Okay. So what we've been doing. This is the news.
2: And we have some news. I know every week we ha- say we have some news. But we it always have be, news. It wouldn't be much of a segment if we didn't have news.
1: We always have news. We have news. We do things. We do things. Yes, we always do true. things. Our life is changing every week. We're always doing new things.
2: Yes. We have been working really hard building our own press trip. So starting on May the 12th, we'll be going on a 30-day epic whirlwind tour of Europe.
1: Yep, we're actually going to be visiting a lot of countries in the space of 30 days. This is going to be the most hectic travel we've done since we started two years ago when we were going around Burma and China. I know. Because that was pretty crazy and pretty intense. intense. So it's going to be a mental month, but I think it's also going to be very exciting. We're going to have lots of new content for the podcast, lots of new content for the blog. So where are we going?
2: Okay, we're going to be hitting up Spain.
1: Yep, Barcelona to Girona. And then Girona through France to Switzerland. Yes, but we're gonna eat
2: fondue. We
1: are gonna eat fondue. We are not gonna spend long in Switzerland because, as you know, that is too
2: expensive. It is
1: not much of a budget destination. We're probably gonna be there for a couple of days, but we are gonna eat fondue and we are planning on going on the Glacier Express. But the secret is, we are doing it DIY style, which is significantly cheaper. If you've got a Euro pass, which we have, mm-hmm. much, much cheaper than taking the actual Glacier Express tourist train,
2: yep. so which we'll, costs a fortune. Yeah, so we'll be telling you guys how you can do it too.
1: Then we are heading to one of the smallest countries in the world, Liechtenstein.
2: Mostly because we just have to have a beer there.
1: Yeah, because yeah. our ongoing mission to have a beer in every country in the world we will need to go to Liechtenstein just because it's on the way. And Absolutely, we'll see if it's any different from Switzerland. And then from Liechtenstein onto Austria.
2: Yes, I wanted to visit Austria for years. Yes. Very exciting. And from there, we head off into Germany so we can drink some more beer.
1: Specifically, Bavaria will be hitting up Munich, I'm guessing you're probably not surprised that we would choose the home of the Oktoberfest to go for our Germany experience. (laughs) We've
2: already got a beer tour secured.
1: Yes, we have. It's gonna be great. The second we get off the train, we're gonna be launching into an epic beer night. Some
2: of the oldest beer halls in Germany. It's gonna be very cool. After that, we actually are gonna go for some more beer because we're heading to Prague in the Czech Republic right in time for their beer festival.
1: Yep, in May every year, Prague has their international beer festival. There'll be lots and lots of local beers. It's the best of all the Prague beers and the Czech beers. So that is going to be awesome. And we've got a press pass for that as well.
2: Very cool. And this is
1: all stuff we have been pitching for. And we're going to be talking about exactly how we built this press trip in a future episode. But right now, we just want to let you know what's happening. So you'll be aware that in future episodes, we're going to be a little busy this month. There's not going to be quite as much going into the news. We're having to pre-record a few things.
2: After that, though, we're still going. And then we're going to hit up Hungary.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're we'll going to Budapest in Hungary or Budapest. where apparently they have a lot of very nice spas for a very good price
2: yes I'm gonna go and get a chocolate massage Mm. I'm totally gonna do this like they really use chocolate it's meant to be very good for your skin it's meant to be great for cellulite
1: and the final have any of that no 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 Women don't have that. No. And on the final stop, Where? we're actually making a few stops on the way to Bucharest in Romania. We'll be stopping at a few other small places. Going to visit Transylvania. Going to go to the salt mine in Turda, which is like a underground, well, it was a salt mine, obviously, and now it's like an underground entertainment complex, almost. It looks really weird and really interesting and quirky, so that's somewhere we're going to stop. And a lot of the castles that are going to be our full Dracula-style castles.
2: Yep. I read that book years ago, and so i will be very excited to check out the area that was inspired
1: and then Bucharest work. is going to be our new home for at least a month whilst we settle down and actually get some work done
2: right all of the articles that we need to do to catch up from that entire press trip. there
1: is going to be a lot of content so it's going to be insane the best thing is of course I said we are getting a lot of stuff for free which is going to help us cover the cost of this massive epic adventure and we will be detailing everything in articles and podcasts in the future when we actually get the time to do it
2: yeah but some of our fantastic sponsors that we will be working with during this press trip is urail
1: yeah of course urail making it very simple for us to get around. A lot of the places you visit, like Austria, Switzerland, Germany, you literally, when you've got your Euro ticket, you can just walk onto any train, anytime and just go.
2: Yeah. We also are teaming up with Wombat's Hostels, who have quite a few properties in different countries. So we're going to be checking them all out and seeing what their hostels are like. We're really excited to be teaming up with them.
1: Yep. And of course, the beer tour in Munich that we mentioned, photo tour in Vienna, because we'll be stopping in Vienna as well, and. Did we even mention, I think I missed one off the list of countries. We're also going to Slovakia, which is the capital of Slovakia, Bratislava, which is very close to Vienna. So that's another country on that list that I actually skipped. That was very silly. Oh dear. I'll be
2: terribly offended. We'll be
1: going back through Austria again after Prague to... Slovakia, Bratislava, and then on to Budapest. So for listeners who wanna take a wild trip around Europe, especially where connection time is short, it's actually worth being insured as well. It realized if you are gonna start missing trains, if you are gonna sort of do the flight thing, and you're gonna be doing a real whirlwind trip like this where everything's down to the minute sort of organized, then if you miss one connection, you can screw up like days worth of travel by getting the wrong thing, or you have to book like the most expensive last minute flight or something to keep up with it. So that's why we normally recommend if you are traveling, obviously, get travel insurance.
2: Absolutely. So we will be using World Nomads for our trip and we hope that you guys would join in and use World Nomads for your trips as well. So as always, we do have that 5% discount that you can get on your next policy. Just head to the link, travelfreedompodcast.com slash worldnomads and type in that coupon code WN5DP and you'll get your discount. Ishi
1: yes. Okay, so we will be talking about lots and lots more stuff about the press trip in future episodes, so keep listening for that. And of course, we are super excited about saving a fortune because of our writing and photos and stuff like that. And speaking of writing, this episode's interview is all about copywriting.
2: I know, I'm so excited about this episode. Even if you didn't get into the internet business to be a writer, it's hard to avoid writing when you get a blog together. Yeah. Yeah, you can pay someone else to do it, but... Being able to do your own copy and improve your copy skills is so important to engage your audience and convert readers into buyers.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could just do video and podcasting and pay someone else, but really having great copywriting skills has been so useful for us to learn these things. So what we have today is very exciting because we have Damien Farnworth from Copyblogger, which is literally, I think it's the biggest copywriting blog on the web.
2: This blog has helped us immensely. Like it is one of our go-to guides for everything that we use to build our blog to what it is today
1: yeah really really awesome so Damien is the chief copywriter and we are gonna get into our interview with him, and he's gonna give you loads of advice on how to make your writing pop. So we are speaking today to Damien Farnworth from Copyblogger, chief editor of Copyblogger. Quite impressive title, that one. As the voice of Copyblogger's new Rainmaker FM podcast, Rough Draft, and a copywriting expert, Damien's words have been making waves across the internet in multiple formats.
2: Today, we wanna get Damien to share some of his top copywriting advice so that you can start toning up your blogs and engaging more readers.
1: Yep. Welcome to the show, Damien.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: No problem at all. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got that sought-after position at Copyblogger.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was a long journey, probably much like people's careers who've been around any time at all who tend to just stick to it. And um, so I came out of college, you know, with an English lit degree thinking I was going to write poetry for a living and that just flat out did not, would not work. And so I ran into somebody handed me a book called Robert Cialdini's uh, Influence, the Psychology, Persuasion. Fell in love with the book, got hired as a copywriter shortly after that, and you know, started learning the trade and just tried to study and master it as best as I possibly could, and just went from job to job, just slowly kind of building up, I guess, the experience and the skills to be good at what I do, and finally got the attention. I went and worked for myself for about a year and a half and got the attention of Brian Clark over at he's a CEO over at copy blogger and got his attention and uh, did some freelance work for him for a while then he offered me a full-time job and I was like yeah that's what I want to do so (laughs) I started working for him and now we you know over let's see I started in January of 2013 so I've been there for over two years so
1: wow very cool yes you are the envy of many copywriters around the internet I believe so that's quite a job to have
0: yeah what's funny is that I didn't really look for that job because there was a point like just short story about my freelance time I've been in the corporate world for so long. And came to a point in my career where I was like, I'm done. I need to get out of here. And I just quit. No plan B, no security net, no another job land. I, and I just quit. I said, I'm going to start working for myself. And so I started doing that. But eight months in of working for myself, I was like, I don't really like this because I didn't like having to market myself and then just sort of build up, you know, each new relationship with a new client. I didn't like having to deal with the invoices and the price negotiations and stuff. And so I started looking for full-time jobs with other companies. And I just was looking at a lot of these big brands and these just sending out emails, doing interviews. And I'd gained enough traction at that time in my career that I was getting attention and getting offers and invitations to come workplaces. And I do go to the interviews and like, ah, this doesn't feel right, you know, but this opportunity with Brian totally came in through the back door. And I never even thought that I'd ever work there. So it's finding myself here again. It's just like, I couldn't, to play on this, but I'm happy as I could be.
1: Awesome. I'm excited for you. I wish I could have that job, but my copywriting skills <laughs> are not good enough. But I want to move on to a topic that is something I've found as I've been learning about copywriting over the last few years, and obviously I wasn't trained in it, but what I did learn at school about writing in general, it's all been completely thrown out the window since I've started <laughs> reading about copywriting for web. Why should bloggers be thinking about treating their blogging as a copywriting gig rather than an exercise in creative writing?
0: That's a good question. So this is what I tell everybody. If you have an idea, if you have a product that you want to convince people that it's worth listening to, then you should learn um, how to copyright because what copywriting will do for you will teach you you know how to get attention through headlines will teach you how to keep that attention once you get those headlines uh, working online as a web writer specifically a web copywriter there are certain things you need to know from the SEO standpoint that will help you be found in the search engines and get you know sort of social traction when you share it but this all comes back to copywriting writing headlines that persuade people and ultimately what I've kind of learned and what it all boils down to is this idea of just getting to know who your reader is and using their language language and when you start using their language and you use like your standard and conventional copywriting formulas, you start to gain traction, you start to get more attention than you thought you would. So any kind of expert, any kind of person who wants to get attention wants to bring their idea to the top and wants to stay at the top, definitely learn how to copywriting.
1: It's been a real learning curve for me. It's been a very interesting learning curve though and seeing just all these techniques that work and how people manipulate headlines to actually get people to click. And mm-hmm. look back at the headlines that we were writing when we started. Just, <laughs> right, it was my awful. awesome day
2: out in Thailand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well,
0: we all do that, right? I mean, like I said, I mentioned earlier, I have an English degree background, so I was basically academically trained to write essays. And I did pretty well. The funny thing is, is like, I resisted it, but I actually was really good at writing essays, and I won a, a small regional award out of it. But of course, you can't translate that to like writing for the web or, or writing a blog, because it's just stilted, and it's kind of rigid, and it's wooden, and it's mechanical. And so, yeah, when I started reading these copywriting books, it's like breaking that bone so you can reset it, you know? And and that's basically what happened I realized. That I, this is a lot simpler than I thought it was. Like writing to communicate with as a copywriter is way more simpler than I actually, you know, than if I was trying to write an essay. Because I still do that. And it's like, it's a, worlds apart, you know, it's so much more hard. Yeah.
2: Totally. So with uh, formulating like the best article, let's start at the very top of the page. The holy grail of it all headlines. Copywriting, a poor headline typically means you're going to get no clicks. So can you give us perhaps like the top three tips for creating kick-ass headlines?
0: So the first thing you have to think about is like the a great headline boils down to one thing, self-interest, not your self-interest, but your reader's self-interest. What are they interested? In? Why should they care? So you have to answer that question. And then so, and one way you can do that once you figure that out, so you know what they're interested. Well, um, once you figure that out, then you can use a formula like the four U's, which is pretty standard stuff. The four U's are, you have to be useful, you have to be ultra specific, you have to be unique, and you have to be urgent. And for this example, I always give like a useful, urgent, ultra specific. A unique headline is something like 89 ways to wash dishes with vinegar before you die of cholera right <laughs> I got all four of you know, use in there. You don't necessarily have to use all four of them, but, you know, if you can get at least two or three, you're doing pretty well. So use that me. You want to be useful. And I think if you're always useful, you're going to attract people. You know, it's like 10 places you must avoid while in Morocco, if you want to, you know, keep your arms, whatever. Uh, something like that, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, right? I would d- read that. I'd read that. I'm totally stealing that. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's the black market for arms in Morocco. And, um, <laughs> of course there is. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so you got to think of self-interest and to use a formula like the four U's and then ultimately I think like the third tip is to understand like your environment the context that you're working in what I mean by that is like everybody I think probably knows Upworthy who Upworthy is like a couple of years ago just came screaming on the scene with these headlines that were what they called curiosity gap and so they said you know the way this boy responded to his mother's cancer treatment will blow your mind you know then this happened and you're like oh my gosh I've got to re- read that and I got to share that so everybody started writing those headlines from Fox News to all your sort of international news places to started using that but eventually people got tired of that and moved on to something else and to where now it's more of like you say something curious and you give self-interest but you're being more direct about what's inside so you have to understand the context you need it and so to get there though you just have to be a wide and vigorous and sort of ferocious reader like always be reading blogs reading the news and just seeing what's out there what are people doing and so you understand like the context so you're not using formulas you know are you not using like formats because social media I've been in this business since 2000 so and I've watched how social media has just changed the way we write headlines and the way we form them. we can still use the four use but you have to understand the context you're in so those three things like pay attention to the self-interest use a conventional copywriting for like for use and pay attention to the context
1: yeah, and by the sounds of it, like reading everyone else's stuff and pretty much stealing their ideas, is that, that seems to be what it is. Yeah. Take the formulas they're using that are working and... Yeah, absolutely. Implement them in your own way.
0: Right, exactly. Just, you know, figure out what the variables are and just play with those variables. And then, of course, test, you know, there's a great headline a tool that I use on my own personal site and it's by, is it AppSumo? And it's called, I think it's just called the headline tool. But anyway, it let, allows you to test different headlines from your article post and you can see what's actually working. And so you might write like four or five different headlines where a particular post, and it'll show you which one is getting the most uh, views and most click-throughs on. So testing also is very important.
1: Wow. Very that's, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I actually might go and download that. I'm trying to make a note of it now. but my Yeah, it costs, I think... It, Evernote is not playing ball. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: it's like 99 bucks a year or something like that, but it's worth it because it's fun.
1: Well, totally. Yeah, that sounds really useful. Now, I know there's a bit of a debate on this next question I'm going to ask you, so I want to get your perspective on short or long headlines. Is there a reason to use both? Is there a time when one is better than the other? What is the deal with the length of the headline?
0: I know if you can write a headline short and still accomplish what, you know, if you can say in four words what you could say in eight words and say it in four words because that will definitely have the most impact. That just always is going to be a more powerful headline. But I think the length comes, so, so Eugene Short, he's a, a copywriter, he's got a great book called Breakthrough Advertising, but good luck trying to find a copy for less than like 180 bucks, it's, it's ridiculous. But um, so he talks about like the market stages that people go through. And when it comes to headlines, like when a market is fresh, you can get away with just saying like how to wash dishes, right? Like we just invented, you know, how to wash dishes, dishwashing, like sanitizing dishes. Like you can get away with how to wash dishes. Be like, oh, yeah, what is this? You know, but as time progresses and like people, you know, more and more articles come out about how to wash dishes, that market is sort of saturated. So they know a little more. So you have to expand that a little bit and say how to wash dishes with vinegar and like, oh, hey, this is new. So you have to understand what market you're in and like what is working at that time and Sort of stretch the imagination, and like Shorts, he talks about the two. You'll eventually read a point where you have an art. You have to write an article like how to wash dishes with vinegar. You know, eighty-nine ways to wash dishes with vinegar so you don't die of cholera. You sort of reach the pinnacle of it, and then everything collapses, and you start all over. You know, you back at at point A where you're having Shorts. So just understanding again, it goes back to my third tip: is like understanding the context in your end. If you're talking about something way new, somebody's never written about it, it's fresh, you've done your research online and you see that nobody's writing about it and you can get away with how to do X, then go for it. But usually you'll probably find you'll have to add some other sort of, you know, one of those other U's into it to have it. So it'll be a little bit longer. So
1: yeah, and understanding that context sort of thing is going to be really hard for most beginners, I suppose. That's the the learning curve. You've got to spend a lot of time on that. Yeah, exactly.
0: For example, like the very best one word headline for college students, men. Can you guys guess what that is? (laughs) No. Okay,
1: college men. (laughs) Something about girls? I don't know.
0: Yeah, right. It was sex. That's what it's always okay. one word sex. And so, but do you know what they're selling?
1: Uh, <laughs> shoes? <laughs>
0: no, close. They were selling textbooks, you know, so. Oh, okay. So, but it failed because they got their attention, but then like they didn't deliver on the headline, right? Because it said like sex. Oh, you want more sex and something like, you know, then study harder and girls will think you're smart, whatever. It's like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, like right. To fall for that, right? You know, <laughs> I know an easy way to do it. <laughs> and so, so, <laughs> so like I said, if you can say it and you know, you're, audience well enough and you can pull it off with one word fine great but usually it's just you're not gonna be able to do it you have to expand the number of words you use
1: Wow, well, we haven't done many one word headlines on our blog to be honest we find I don't it i don't think i've ever done one yeah no. <laughs> no we find it hard to keep below six words actually so i know right yeah i'm
0: yeah, a big yeah. fan
2: <laughs> of long headlines like john morrow always comes out with these long headlines and they crack me up and i'm like i want to yeah. emulate those hilarious headlines they just i click on it every time
0: yeah, 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 see, that's great. And that's the thing, too, you got to think about. is it. like, you know, what's your personality? You know, people, like, will say, I, as soon as I saw the headline, I knew that was Damien's article, right? And so that's where the point you want to get to, where your voice become, is seen in your headlines. And so you have this sort of seal that is imprinted, and it's part of your personality. It's your voice, and you're, it's coming out in your headlines. So think about that, too. You know, like John Morrow, you know, his is just classic, you know, Morrow posts, and any sort of famous writer, you can tell, like, yeah, that's his. And so you know, keep that in mind, too, as you write, is that use those formulas to help you sort of have a framework, but, you know, pour yourself into it, you know, and if you want to break those, or you don't understand what you're doing, and you think, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm doing it anyway, because it's me, then fine, do it, and see if it works.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, the one problem with the long headlines, there's uh, an elephant in the room with this, is Google is restricting the length of headlines mm-hmm. that people can use for SEO purposes. So, what is the balance? Do you have a different SEO headline, completely different one from your incredibly long social media headline? Do various social media networks also stop you having long headlines? What's the best way to balance those two? What's the trade-off?
0: So that's a great question. The thing, yeah, like you mentioned, the first thing you could do is just have the SEO title be different. It could be just just standard keyword, you know, sort of rich. But also, you could also, with your own original title, is just front load it, like putting all the major sort of the juicy emotional things. Because what we know about like people who read online, they read in an F pattern, right? So they hit a page and then they look to the right then they scan, then they go back to the left and they look down they scan a little bit further out to the right and they scan down and then they're just looking down the side. So that means that if they look at your headline, they're probably just going to read the first two, three, four words. You know, this happens all very quickly. So that's kind of where you want your power words. And this is where if you have a long one and you are starting with the word how to do something, it's probably not going to work at all. Well, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things you just have to test to see because i mean i think people see how to and will think this could be useful but also it's used so much that it can lose its sort of potency so think about what are the power words that you can put in the front of that title so people look at it, it's like oh my gosh i can't you know if i said ways to wash dishes you know with vinegar it's like yeah i think i'm gonna read that that's interesting
1: <laughs> yeah. if you could deliver seductive ways to All wash right, dishes exactly. <laughs> if you can that's interesting I got my work cut out for me. <laughs> so. it's very interesting that you're saying. Because vinegar, you can't get out of your skin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe totally the, the how-to article is perhaps met its day. Is, you think it's one of those ones that's going to collapse like you were talking about earlier. It's actually been overused.
0: Yeah, I don't think so because certain just things that always work. Like the other one, like how to is just if you want to communicate, that's just the way to do it. This is the language we use, right? The other thing that is like list posts. People think I'm getting tired of you know. BuzzFeed has basically killed the list post. It's like if that were true, then you would be seeing less and less list posts. But the fact is that people use you know, and I guarantee my 89 ways you know to wash dishes with vinegar is gonna beat your how to any day. So it's the, that's the kind of thing. It's like how to is important. I don't think it's ever gonna go away if there are better ways to write a headline than to find it and work because here's the thing like headlines are so important I mean I still to the day will agonize right you know 10 15 sometimes 20 it's like one of the things that takes me the lo- longest on articles that I write it comes down to publish time and we're still kind of like no I think it needs to be this and, and like wait a minute it needs to be this so it's one of those things it's like you think after 15 years you'd have like you know, bust them out. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's it's hard work.
2: Yeah, we've heard that you should probably spend like 50% of your time that it takes to write an article just purely on the headline. How true is that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, like it could be hours where I'm just, you know, looking through different, I have sort of my websites in my back pocket that headlines that I like best that I look for kind of hints and tips. And then I'll look through I've got my, you know, sort of dog-eared book of uh, tested advertising methods by John Caples. He's got like 39 formulas that I'll look through. I'll look at through some of my old posts, like, you know, if I'm stuck, sometimes, you know, I'll hit it and I'm like, yeah, that's it. like after 15, 20 minutes, maybe, you know, after writing, you know, two or three. I'm like, Yeah, that's it, man. But that's rare. <laughs> Usually have a working idea of the headline but it's never set in stone before i start and after as i'm writing i'm like okay they might have an idea there and once it's finished it's like okay this is what this article is about how do i sort of inject that and make potent headline out of that so it does take a long time
1: yeah i mean some people i suppose write their headline first and then just tweak it a little is that
0: there... i know that yeah i know well brian man, my boss that's what he does and he manages to do it but uh i just i can't work because i'm part afraid that it's going to steer where i want to take the article to like you know I'm of that philosophy. It's like if, if you're writing something and like it wants to go left, but your headline is saying, no, we need to stay right. We need to stay right. It's like, well, I'm going to go left because that's where I feel like the story wants to go. So I go that way. And then so the headline in my mind, the way I work is is a guiding principle. It's not like I have to honor that. So. But then, know, oh, yeah, some people like write the headline they know it beforehand. And so I don't know how much time they spend on rewriting and like to have, I don't know. So how they do yeah, that, but. There probably
1: st- is not a definite way to do it. It's everyone's got their preference when it comes to that. It
0: really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And we're going to have to move on from headlines because I know we could talk about this forever because there's like millions of little details. But let's move on to the, the second bit. After you've managed to craft an amazing headline, you need an opening paragraph that is just going to make people go, yes, I have to read just the there. whole it's just article. Just going to
2: punch them in the face, so they've got to keep reading more.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. right. I've seen so many blog posts that start, and before we went on our trip, we got our stuff ready, and then we packed our bags, and eventually we made it onto the plane. And <laughs> like, oh, my God. Now, I know there's a technical <laughs> Get term. to the point. A technical <laughs> term. But yeah, exactly. There is a technical term for this, I believe, is burying the lead where right. you, you need to put the real capturing moment, the essence of the story at the start of the story so that people go, yes, this is interesting. So mm-hmm. can you explain to listeners maybe some really good ways to spot the lead in your story so that you actually don't miss it and bury it? How do you know what the lead is?
0: That's a good question. So what you were referring to when people do that, like, you know, we packed our bags that's, you probably end up writing because you just need to get going. So you just start somewhere, but eventually in your story, there's a principle called, you know, in the middle. And so in fiction, in, in movies, your favorite movies, your favorite, you know, shows, like, like the, first thing you see is like it's in the middle of the action so that the airplane is in flames and it's coming down for a crash landing right it's not you don't you know you might see a little bit of run up but it, you're basically in the middle of the action so the question becomes is like where does that happen in my story right so a lot of that stuff is not necessary i think like so a traveler blogger like so the point they want to make what's the point they want to make and then so they need to take that scene and then shape that scene so it sort of just hammers that part home and you know what is the sort of mystery the suspense the tension of that story and then the with that you know because then you know when you have something like you know we were on our way out the door when there was a large man with you know a gun in his hand and we're like okay this is we're not going this way Meg you know <laughs> we're going out the window you know?
1: <laughs> this hasn't happened to us fortunately
0: right but you know somebody would say we walk up as a normal day and we you know I took a bath I drank some tea and then like that's so like you could sort of do that but just get to the point Is kind of uh, look for this sort of immediate sort of tension thing and if you need to tell some backstory and back up at some other point then you know, that's fine to do that too
1: Yep, so punch people in the face straight up, and then you can tell all of that stuff about and we had to catch our plane later on in the story.
0: If it's important, if it's important. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like omit needless words and omit needless sentences and, and omit needless paragraphs you know, and that's, that's hard to do and it takes some skill to recognize what's needless versus what's not needless but you can do it
1: yeah it feels like uh Quentin Tarantino sort of yeah. style to, to writing write your stories how Quentin Tarantino makes movies totally. I
0: learned so much just from you know writing you know whether it's like episodic tv shows or if it's movies about how they open it. it's because it's like okay that's how you got to do it like how do they open up a show and then just kind of you know spin that into you know writing about an article or whatever you're writing about.
2: So do you write the lead first or do you find it perhaps after you've finished the first draft and then kind of rework everything?
0: Yeah, it's after the first draft because, like everybody else, you know, unless I know for sure, like, I want to open it, but usually, what it's sort of like, I know what I want to say, but it's a matter of just getting going. And so, a lot of times, I just, you just have to go through that ritual. I remember, I think it was Orson Scott Card, the science fiction writer, says, like, you know, whenever he didn't know where to start, he just sat down in front of his typewriter, looked at the wall, and said, I'm staring at the wall. The wall is this color, and blah, blah, blah. And until he got to a point where he was moving in his rhythm. And that's a lot of what we do as writers for that first draft, is just, we just need to sit down and just sort of, the first two three four five paragraphs we just need to get out of our system so we can get to the real stuff and then we go back and we evaluate okay that just needs to go by and or need to pull and move this up and of course if you're having a hard time recognize it have somebody else read it and say hey what's the most exciting part how do you think i should open this and just ask them because usually people can tell that because they'll read and say like yeah i really don't care about you taking a shower or drinking tea but ooh, you know whatever you were you know harassed in the alleyway that's where you should start so
1: yeah it's useful for us as a couple because when I write something, Meg can read it and then she can yeah. go like, oh, this is the most interesting bit. And if I read her stuff, I can go, actually, I think this is the most interesting bit of your story. And then, yeah, it really helps for us. But if you don't have someone else there, then find a friend online and do some yeah. swaps because there's always going to be other writers out there who need you to read their stuff. Well,
2: that's why mastermind groups are such a good idea because you yeah. can just throw it off to someone else and go, tell me what's great and what's shit. And we'll work around <laughs> right. that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I was going
0: to mention too, like, you know, join a critique group or something like that, you know, even though you may not care what they say about it, but they usually are, you know, onto things like, you know, that's where you're, they can help you have people there that can help you evaluate what you're doing. Cause I think that's so critical is like that feedback in your writing is having that feedback and having that, you know, sort of very specific, acute feedback will help change. I think I've seen myself grow the most when I've always reached out and said, Hey, you know, just tell me what you think about this, you know, be brutal because I want it to be the best.
1: Now, once you've got through your first paragraph paragraph. paragraph and your headline, that's like a lot of the work done, but you still got to keep people reading. And I think Mm -hmm. there was a a quote from someone who said, the purpose of every sentence is to make the reader move on to the next sentence. And it really Mm -hmm. is that important. You start to lose people if you don't keep it really tight. Now, there's something I've seen as a really major trend with online copywriting and compared to say if someone's reading a novel a book where it's all long paragraphs and now you mm-hmm. rarely see more than two or three sentences in a paragraph so do you know what the psychology behind that is and why that works to engage readers better
0: i do i do so you were referring to joe sugarman earlier he's the one that said it's treated as a slide a great book that i think that that book again his uh, advertising secrets of the written word which you will not find a copy for less than 80 bucks unfortunately that one turned my life around as far as being a writer but it, yeah it was that idea so the the short sentences, short paragraphs that you're seeing online, the psychology is it's just basically readability, right? Online behavior is predictable. I mean, people are on like, are on an Audubon, and they're traveling at 170 miles per hour, and all they want to do is look at billboards, right? They just want to look at them and fly by them. So, they need to be big, they need to be visible, they need to be readable. So, if you have a block of text, they can't read that. So, you know, once you have caught them with the headline, they're still going to kind of blaze through just, if they've landed on the page, they're still just probably going to scan half of it. So, you've got to create like landmarks for them to sort of stop, slow down, and come in for a landing. Like, for example, subheadlines. Subheadlines are Guides and another mini headline inside your article that sort of says, "Okay, well, listen, this section might be interesting, so I'm going to slow down here and read this." So, but once you're in the actual paragraph reading, yeah, it's the readability part of it. Like people want to see white space; they want to be invited in; they want you know to not feel like this is going to be overwhelming. Because unfortunately, we all do it; we're all guilty of it. It's like when we see online behavior, we just treat. The words on the page differently than we do, say, if we just were snuggling up on a lounge chair outside with a novel that was actually a printed physical book, you know, because it's just no distractions there you are. But on the online line, you have so many distractions. And so you want to invite people in, you want to open up it. And when there's a block of text, it's like, you know, it's a warning sign that says, you know, no trespassing. So they're just going to go away. You can yeah. skip it. I totally just...
2: agree. Because I'll like, they might get me in with the headline and I'll click on it. And then if it A has too many photos or B is just like way too much text that's all in these big paragraphs, so I'm like, I don't. Don't have time for this Uh not you lost me
0: and this is the thing too it's like well you know actually we borrowed this from the, the journalistic trade like newspapers this is something that newspapers have been doing for years it's just like the one sentence paragraph you know because it's just easy to read it's breezy people just kind of climb down very easily you know it's interesting too because this is one of those conventions that irritates a lot of people like oh i'm so sick of the you know one sentence paragraph the one word paragraph you know and it's just like rant all you want, but it works. You know, I mean, it's just the way people behave online and it's fine. I mean, like those people are not your readers, so don't worry about
1: them. Yeah, there is a battle between the style of journalism and the style of blogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think they both still completely have their place, but maybe the journalistic style when used online with online newspapers, it's going to lose traction compared to when it's actually in print? Is that going to be the future of journalism? Is it going to sound more like a blogger voice when they do online publications?
0: I think so. I think it's hard not to get away because so many of us are just sort of growing up online and some of us have the tools of the trade at our disposal. So we end up writing, we end up blogging. I mean, my daughter had a blog, my son had a blog. It's like these people are growing up in this environment. So it's how we learn how to communicate and read. And again, the purist out there will say, that's just not right. It's like, well, you know, language is kind of a fluid, very, it's a natural thing, you know, and it's like an organism more than it is sort of like architecture that we have to obey or or the bridge falls down. So, So yeah, I think I think that we'll see more, and I think it's really already kind of happened because you see so many sites out there like Vox, for instance, where you have Ezra Klein who comes away from the Washington Post, starts his own site. And he's basically saying like, I want to start like reporting the news like I was blogging, like this was my blog, you know. So you see people doing it because that's what people want. I mean, it's how people consume information now online. And uh, so it's just naturally as that mode of communication, just more people adopt it. You can't resist it. You know, you eventually have to sort of succumb to it.
2: Totally. And the internet has changed the game big time for just journalism and writing in general. But Do you have any idea of what's to come next? What trends are we likely to see online with copywriting style? What do you think is going to be new?
0: I think the future, if there's such a thing, or at least predicting it, because it was what the Nobel Prize physicist Neil Bohr's who said, like, you know, predictions are hard, especially if they deal with the future, you know, because we just don't know. However, having said that, yeah, I think audio, I think it's the podcast. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why Copyblogger just kind of doubled down on the podcasting network, because it is truly the only mobile mode of communication text is you have to stop and typically you shouldn't be walking otherwise you're going to fall in a manhole or something like that yeah, exactly. you know when you're doing it video of course you know you can't drive when you listen to video or watching a video you, at least you shouldn't be driving like watching a video but you know audio you can do all those things you can run you can surf you could jump out of an airplane you can fly an airplane you know with audio and uh, now that because this is like the second wave you know I don't know if you guys know this is like we're in like the second wave of podcasts because oh, uh, yeah, totally. right in the 2004 with that guy from MTV he, he kind of pioneered it but it like we just didn't have the technology right You know, like we want, as people, we want like the sort of grunt and point type of technology before it gets highly adapted for the majority of people need it just to basically, you know, that point, you know, grunt and point to be able to adopt it. And we've kind of reached that because everybody has smartphones and iTunes was smart enough to kind of like, you know, create, yeah, the podcasting, the app, you know, the app in itself. Just like, so all it just basically is click that subscribe, you know, find your show, subscribe, and there you go, you have your shows. So now the technology is really, really easy, and people have a lot more tools in their hand. That communication, but so, this is just, you know, blogging and audio, this is still copywriting because it's still communication. You're, you're trying to get people's attention. Some of my favorite shows, you know, podcasts, they got terrible headlines, and I just happened to stumble upon them and start listening to them. I was like, this is great. It's a shame that, you know, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to listen to that show. You know, we all choose, like, you go through a list of shows. Like, this is what I hate about, like, so I'm not talking about you guys, just so you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: Sure, sure. I'm offended already.
0: I look at people who do podcasts and they do interviews, and it's always this like interview with so-and-so, episode with so-and-so. And it's like, I think I know who that person is, but I'm not 100% sure, so I don't really care. Oh, Seth Godin. Okay, well, you know, how many interviews has he done? We've all heard an interview by Seth Godin, probably 10 at least. So my mind is like, you guys need to write like benefit worthy headlines. What is the benefit of like goes back to what I said about earlier. It's self interest. The people scanning this, looking and saying, why should I care? Why should I read this episode? What's the benefit out of that? So if you interview somebody and it's like the hook is this guy has just told me like, you know, the eighty nine ways to wash dishes with vinegar without dying of cholera, you know, that's your headline. Not episode with the UN, you know sanitary president, whatever, something like that. It's yeah. like okay. right? That doesn't sound exciting, does it? Yeah,
2: yeah totally. No, not at all, right? Oh, yeah. I mean
0: it's prestigious, like, oh he got to interview that guy, but I don't care and I don't have time to like listen to an an hour interview but if he's telling me that my life is at stake if I don't start washing my dishes with vinegar then you know
2: you're gonna sit down and listen to that podcast yeah Yeah.
1: no, we try to focus on benefit driven headlines for our podcast we don't do it for all of them but for most of them we're trying to do that but then you look at something like I think Tim Ferriss's interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger I don't think he needed a benefit-driven headline to get that one
2: the headline was just Arnie the end <laughs>
1: like, yeah listen. right exactly sometimes it can work
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so that goes back to the whole thing we talked about earlier like the, you yeah. know the shorter the headline like you know having one with Arnold Shorkin that's that's unusual right I mean he's sort of tapped into him like he was first in the market in that sense and uh, that's indeed it's very good
1: yeah Arnie doesn't do a lot of podcasts from what I'm aware he of
0: he does so. not he yeah.
2: return my emails no
0: <laughs> <laughs> he won't do our podcast I saw the one that, that Tim Ferriss did with Glenn Beck and I was like oh that would be interesting to see their interaction between the two of them so you know that sort of thing works so if you like you're doing a podcast where you're getting the you know, people who are usually not you know touched are not interviewed in that sense then um you can get away with you know arnie and uh, people will
1: yeah yeah listen we just need him on the show so that's uh, next week next week on the travel freedom podcast <laughs> we'll, we'll email that. him a few more well, times you know and i'm sure he'll do it <laughs> okay but we are running out of time today unfortunately so we want to ask you the one final question that we ask every guest
2: Yes, so uh, it's a very important question. If you could go back in time before you started writing for web, before you started doing all copywriting, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give your past self?
0: I would think, yeah, read Joe Sugarman's book, Advertising Secrets of the Written Word. Because um, I, th- I think, again, yeah, that, that book just changed my life. And, it, and I didn't get that book until probably two, three, four years into my career. But it was one of those eye-opening. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like the way it's, it's got to be done. Because everything that I then wrote from there on out, was changed dramatically. Just my viewpoint of it was changed. I looked at, you know, how I approach things, how I talk to my wife, how I talk to my children, how I talk to my neighbor, you know, how I negotiated with clients, how I negotiated with bosses and stuff like that. It was so eye-opening in that sense. So, um, easily, I'd say, go read that book now. That would have been the book I would have given to myself before Cialdini's Influence
2: fantastic well, well we'll add it into the show notes of, if anyone has a spare 150 bucks then
1: exactly is there a care. is it on kindle these days i
0: don't think so it's out of print so and i think you know what somebody told me that on scribd you mm-hmm. can find because i've got like on my blog i've got a list of like the, the nine direct response copywriting books that uh, you should buy and, like most of them are like sort of in that situation where they're like out of print so they cost a lot of money but so I was like well if you go on scribd and you download you know you can get them basically kind of free because they're pdfs but they're terrible pdfs so i mean <laughs> you know it's Like, I don't know if I'd be really desperate, go and, you know, find, it's like breakthrough advertising by Eugene Schwartz is on there, but it's a terrible PDF. You know, it's, it's totally bootlegged, but you can still get it. So, but good luck. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Good luck. You everyone. never know. You might find it. And there we have to end. So thanks, Damien, for coming on the Travel Freedom Podcast.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. this. It's a lot of fun.
1: No worries. We appreciate your time. Good luck with the rest of Copyblogger. Is there anywhere else that people can come and find you or is it Copy the best place to find your work?
0: Well, the best place probably now is at my podcast. That's at roughdraft.fm, roughdraft, roughdraf T.fm. My podcast is daily. It's four days a week. It's short. It's sequential, so I'm just sort of systematically working through what it means to write online. So Awesome. Cool.
2: So after you finish listening to this, everyone jump over there and subscribe.
1: Okay, it's almost the end of the show.
2: Yes, it's travel homework time. You're going to want to do this homework because what a great interview. There's so much good information in that.
1: Yeah. Now, as we said right at the start, we've been using Copyblogger for well over a year now and the content has helped us so much to improve our writing, improve our copywriting so we can convert people into customers a bit easier and just engage readers better.
2: And what's even better is that this information was completely free. So you guys can get it for free as well. So why not sign up to Copyblogger and get loads of free content right now?
1: Yeah, you can go to copyblogger.com. That's it, it's just there. Yep. Nice and easy. Sign up for the email list.
2: Absorb.
1: Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast.
2: Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at
1: TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income.
2: Or for Travel Thursdays, we will help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget.
1: We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megsy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now.
2: Bye.